All right, y'all, that's where we're going tonight. You guys know this, right? The Lord is good. All the time and all the time. Yeah, he is. All right. Man, uh, that's where we're heading. I can't wait to share with you to remind us all of the goodness of God. And uh, I'm just going to pray that he'll do something for every one of us that's new and that's fresh. This is new, right? This is new. It's a new chapter. It's a new start. But God is always doing something new. And, uh, you know, I've been, I've been a Christian since I was 11, 45 years ago. <laughs> and he's still doing new stuff in me. It never ends. And he's going to do it today. If, he, if all we got to do is open our hearts and he says, I will actually shine my light into your heart. That's my prayer. I'm going to pray for us right now. You guys pray. Just, would you just go ahead and pray and just even prepare your own heart to receive something from the God who's, I love how Ann just reminded us, he is here. He is with us and he is present and he loves you and he loves us. And he does. Okay. So let's ask him to meet us today in a powerful way that catapults us out of here. All right. Father in heaven, which is not far away, it's closer than we could ever imagine. You are here in this spiritual realm, right here in this place. And God, you are good. You are so good. And I just pray, Lord, that tonight in this place, that your spirit would come and that your word would be so alive and that you would do what only you can do, that you would be merciful to us tonight, that you would shine light into our hearts, that you would renew our minds tonight, that you would help us to see you and all of your goodness. And then that your Holy Spirit, God, would you fill us tonight with your Holy Spirit? Fill us. So it just streams of living water pour out from us as we walk out of this place tonight. So I'm excited, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the gift of your word to us that's alive and active, that goes right to the depth of our being. I pray, God, that you would teach us, rebuke us, correct us, train us in righteousness, equip us, God. Um, draw us closer to yourself. And I ask that you do that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. He's good. Well, um, a few years ago, we were having a gathering at my house uh, of K2 people. I think there was probably about 30 people or so at our house. And uh, as everybody was walking and leaving, uh, a gentleman came up to me and he said, um, hey, Dave, uh, I just want to let you know, I, th I saw about 10 things that need to be done around your house. <laughs> and I'm like, Okay, that's cool. And he says, well, listen, he goes, I actually own properties. This is all I do is I just work on homes. I fix things. He goes, I would actually love just to come over and just fix all this stuff for you. And I said, no, that's okay. <laughs> My wife just laughed. Uh, I said, are you kidding me? I mean, it was unbelievable because if you guys know me at all, I am not handy at all, right? My poor wife, pray for her and uh, at our house. So, so John, but the beautiful thing is, so John comes the next week and he pulls up in his truck that is full of every tool that's needed, right? Because he, he knows what he's doing. So he has every tool that I don't have so that he can actually fix everything in my house that I can't do. Not only that, he knows how to use them. He actually knows how to use the, the tools. He has the skill and he has the experience so John could do for me and my wife what I couldn't do. 
And when he saw the need, the coolest thing was he just was moved. He, just, he was just was moved to actually meet our need. And then, obviously, man, I've been moved with incredible gratitude for all that he's done for us. Well, I don't know if you know this or not, but I just gave you the definition of mercy. That's what mercy is in the Bible. Mercy is when someone has a need that they can't meet, they can't meet their own need, and you have the resource to meet their need, and you freely move, and you act on their behalf. That's what mercy is. So here's, what I, here's where I'm taking us today. Mercy moves you. Mercy moves you. If you possess mercy, see, John is a merciful person. So since he had mercy inside of him, when he saw a need, mercy moved him. That's what mercy does. But if you receive mercy, it moves you too. It moves you to, to action. And I would say the level of mercy you've received is the level that you respond in your action. Like how many of you have ever sat, <laughs> right, been at the restaurant with a group of people and all of a sudden and you don't and you forgot your wallet? You, am I the only one who's ever done that? Right? Okay, thanks, Ed. But you know, I mean, are, are you, maybe even just something small, you get up there and you're like, oh, gosh, I, 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 I know I had it now. I can't pay for this. And somebody will just come up and simply say, hey, man, I got it for you. And you just do it. Now, what do you, how do you respond? Well, you know, thank you, man. I really appreciate that. I'll get the next one. Or is when I was studying for this message, the first thing that hit me was Saving Private Ryan. How many of you have seen Saving Private Ryan? So I immediately went to YouTube and I just watched that last scene again. Where this man needed someone to come and rescue him. And the guy gave up his life so he could live. And he was moved. The guy who received the mercy was moved. You guys remember that scene? just hoping and longing that he had somehow lived a life that was worthy of what he had received. Can I just say, Rachel did a great job too. Thank you for your announcements, Rachel. But this is what Southeast is doing for you guys. They are living out the definition of mercy. We had a need. By the way, when our lease got canceled, the first thing I did is I contacted four churches in the area. And I just said, hey, um, we may be out of a building. <laughs> uh, but this is what's happening to us. We might need a place to meet. You know, the, and I think I've shared this with you guys, all four of those churches said, of course. That's just the coolest thing. See, mercy is when you have a need, so you see someone who has a need, and you have the resource to meet it, and you move, you graciously do it. And I, oh my gosh, you guys, these people have been unbelievable. I mean, I mean without even wanting, they painted all the walls in the, in the kids' rooms. They, they washed all the carpet this week because we were coming in. I mean, they've just been like anything and everything they can do. So if you meet anybody from Southeast, man, you move <laughs> and just say thank you to them, all right? In fact, I don't know, some of them might even be here. Would you just give a round of applause to this church for what they're doing for us? And so we are, man, we're, we're, we're on the move to figure out how to bless them and thank them, okay? Well, the book of Romans, I would say, is Paul's treatise on the mercy of God. In the first three chapters, chapters one, two, and the first half of chapter three, Paul makes a, an incredibly clear argument about the need of humanity and the fact that humanity can't meet the need, Humanity is full of sin. We don't want to follow God. 
and we are stuck in sin that separates us from God, and we are in, in trouble. We are in, in his judgment and in his wrath. That's the first three chapters. Then the second half of chapter three, all the way through verse 11, Paul writes about how God moved on our behalf to meet that need. How God did what we couldn't do so that we would actually have relationship and eternal life with him. And then chapters 12 through 16, the last four chapters of Romans, are how those who've received this mercy, how we move how we respond to him because of the mercy that we've been given. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to go to, uh, Anne already read it, but I'm going to read the very last few verses of chapter 11. So again, you have the first three chapters are the problem, our need that we can't meet, that we can do nothing about. And then all the way through 11, Paul writes this amazing, a deep description of what God has done on our behalf. I'm going to read that last thing that he says in Romans 11. His, his kind of like, oh, the culmination of all that God has done. And then I'm going to read the first verse of chapter 12, which is how those who've received mercy move. Okay? Here we go. Romans chapter 11, verse 33. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his past beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. And then Romans 12:1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your reasonable service of worship. Okay? So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna, let's take a minute and let's view God's mercy. We're gonna take a deep clear, long look at the mercy of God, his goodness towards us, how he freely moved to do for us what we couldn't do. And I'm gonna, I just picked two verses, <laughs> Romans chapter five, verse one and two, to unpack this view of God's mercy, all right? So man, just you guys, soak this in. You are ridiculously, deeply, passionately loved by God. You know, and if, if you're new to the whole church thing, if you're new to Christianity, just, just open up your heart and imagine a God who loves you like this. Hey, and then all of us who are his kids, let's just remember tonight as I read this and unpack this for you, how loved you are by a crazy good God. All right, here we go. Romans chapter five, verse one. The first thing is mercy moved God to justify us. Romans 5.1. Well, I didn't read the whole thing. Let me read the whole thing. Romans 5.1 and 2. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. All right? 
four things in these two verses that Paul says how God moved to do for you what you couldn't do for yourself. The first one is mercy moved God to justify us. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith. What does justify mean? It simply means to be made right. It means to be made right. So basically, again, you want to read it? You want to get depressed tonight? Just go home and read Romans chapters 1 through 3. Okay? It just tells us how wrong we are. It's like being completely caught in the act. Guilty as charged. You are sitting in a courtroom and everything you've ever done has been exposed. You guys, wouldn't that be the worst nightmare in the world? Hey, we're just going to watch James Loomis's life. Here we go, everybody. I mean, every one of us, if we got thrown up there, you would be like, no, no, no. Well, that's what Judgment Day is going to be. That's what Judgment Day is going to be. And you're going to know, wow, I'm so guilty <laughs> as charged. But we're justified, which means we're made right. Listen to this. Romans 3 puts it this way. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that, listen, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. The whole world, every mouth. When it's judgment day, you guys, there's nobody who's gonna get up there and go, well, well God, I did this. <laughs> Nobody's gonna wanna stand up and try to justify themselves, make themselves right before God. He goes, therefore, no one will be, listen, no one will de be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. And then in Romans 3.23, he says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and all are justified, listen, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. Do you guys know you can't make yourself right before God? Do you know when you stand in a judgment, at his judgment day, and he pulls out every cotton-picking thing you've ever thought, every intention, every action you've ever done, are you really going to want to stand before God and try to show him how good you were? No, you can't make yourselves right. We couldn't, and you guys, and the penalty, the wages for sin is death, and nobody could pay the penalty, and no human being could ever stand before God and justify themselves. So God did what we couldn't do. Amen? Amen. Thank you, God. And how? Through Jesus Christ. He paid the penalty of death to justify us and make us right with God. So if it's not, it is not by works because you and I could never do it. You receive it only through faith. You th receive it through faith. faith. This is the mercy of God. He saw your needs. You were guilty as charged. And he's like, I'm going to make you right before me. Thank you, Jesus. That's the mercy of God. Number two, the mercy of God moved to make peace with us. It moved God to make peace with us. Since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God <laughs> through Jesus Christ, our Lord Jesus Christ. You guys, are you at peace with God? Okay, two of you. <laughs> now, this is important. This is not the peace of God. That's a totally different topic. 
It's not having a tranquil spirit in the hardships of life. No, he's saying you, sinful enemy of God, are now at peace with him. And he says you have it. It is done. We have peace with God. You guys, you just need to know, man, you read Romans. The judgment and the wrath of God is real. Sin is destructive to you and to everyone around you. And so it does get judged, and it receives the sentence, the, 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 the wrath of God is real. And if we receive his sentence, the sentence, as I said earlier before, is death. And so God moved, mercy moved God to make peace with us through Jesus Christ. How? Because God had to judge your sin. He had to. He had to put the wrath of God on your sin. And so Jesus came and he took it. He has taken your wrath. He has taken your judgment. He has taken your punishment and you will never receive it. It is, listen, it is through Jesus Christ, your Lord, that you are at peace with God. Amen? This is good. And I just want to say, we are at peace with God because God is at peace with us. He is at peace with you. If you've received Christ, then all of his, all of his anger and wrath towards sin is gone. This is awesome. Number three, mercy moved God to open the door to us. This one, I, I, I was with our Life Together group last night, and I threw this question out to them, and to be honest with you, we all marveled at this one and tried to figure this one. I, I would love to spend about two or three weeks on this one phrase with you, okay? But let me try to unpack it in two minutes. God's mercy moved him to open the door to us. Look at this. Through Christ, we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Through Christ, you have gained access into this grace which you now stand. Have you ever, guys, wanted to gain access to something? Have you ever wanted to get into a building <laughs> and see what was actually in there? Susie's mom, uh, my mother-in-law, she's a super sports fan, and when we got married, we were living in Detroit, and um, she actually came out to visit us and we got to go to the Pontiac Silverdome, okay? So it was still, that's where the Lions were still playing. And I'll never forget, Susie and I walked up with this little old woman getting to go to, was it her first NFL game? So she'd never been to an NFL game before. And she comes up these stairs like this, you know, to, to, to get into the little tunnel. And she walks out and she goes, Woo! It was, it was, it was, I mean, we just, that was one of my favorite moments ever with her. Because she loves football, man, and she got to be in there, and she got access into a real NFL stadium. <laughs> you have given access into the presence of God. I went to Israel in 1991, and I got to go with my brother-in-law, who's a theology professor. And so he was actually teaching a class, so we weren't taking a tour we were actually taking a class. And so the professor, Jim, the guy who was the professor, he had lived in Israel for 17 years. 
And after his 17 years of living there, he had made all these connections. So because we weren't on a tour and because we had this professor, we gained access into all of these other places that no one ever gets to go into. It was awesome. And you know why we got to go in there? I, it wasn't anything because of me. There wasn't anything because of me. It's because I was with Jim. And that was it. And Jim had built the relationships and done everything. So as long as I was with Jim, I got to go into the access of these unbelievable places and experience where Jesus had been. Through Christ, with Christ, the only way you get in, you have gained access into this grace in which you now stand. See, here's what's amazing to me about this passage, which I, I, I actually went through my message on Wednesday with the guys, and they're like, Dave, don't go so long on this one. I know, I know, but it's so good. Here's what's amazing to me. There's this holy of holies in the temple, right? This is all temple language. The holy of holies. He's, he's, if you're a Jewish person, you're like, you can't get in the holy of holies. Only one guy gets in there, man. It's the high priest once a year. And if he doesn't do everything right, if all the sacrifices aren't done right, he's going to walk in there, he's going to die. <laughs> and now you're telling me that because of Jesus Christ's blood shed for me and because I'm with him, I get to go through and into the very presence of a holy God. They must have been like, <gasps> and then Paul freaks them out and he says, yeah, and guess what? And when you got in there, you got access to what? Grace. Grace? Oh my gosh, if anything doesn't freak us out, it should be that this God that was so holy and so righteous and that we could never be good enough for, came to us out of mercy to bring us to himself so that we could finally be in his presence and find out he's a God of grace. Oh my goodness, man. What is grace, you guys? Grace is, it's a gift. It's freely given. There's nothing you can do to get it. And all we've done our whole life is try to be good enough for God to try to gain his favor, to hope that he's gonna love us if we do enough good things. And then the gospel blows all of that out of the water and we get into his presence and it's grace. It's undeserved favor. Mercy and grace go together. Mercy is he sees the need that you can't meet and so he's moved and so he takes care of you. Grace is simply like, I just love you so much, I'm just gonna give you whatever I want. Anytime I want. Grace, you guys, and he says, you and I stand right now in grace. You know what that means? That means we stand in a perpetual state of freely receiving everything that God has for us. Come on. That's unbelievable. How many of you are living every day like this? Because God's just like, I got everything you need for life and godliness because you know me and I'm gracious. That means I give it freely. You don't have to earn it. You just got to come, right? Approach the throne of grace to receive mercy and find grace to help you in your time of need. No, I'm going to do this. I got it, God. I can do it. No, you can't. He's good and he's merciful and he's a God of grace. 
I got to stop, but let's do a whole series on this so we can start living in grace. Living, receiving, 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 and receiving. Come on, man. How many of you think that God is not good? The gospel is he is so good. And the state of grace is only through Jesus. You couldn't do it, so he did it for you. Last one, mercy moved God to secure our future. He says, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. See, God does for us what we can't do. Do you guys, you know what we have? You know what you have? You, should, you and I should be just freaking out in praise when we get together like this and when the worship team gets up here to lead us. This is partly why we gotta gather to worship. We have to remember what Jesus has done for us. We have to remember what's true. We need to remember that we are totally forgiven of all of our sin and there's no condemnation. We need to remember that we're in grace. We need to remember that we have the hope of the glory of God. And that means two things. First, it means we are all being transformed into the image of Christ with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Jesus said, it is to my Father's glory that you would bear much fruit. So showing yourselves to be my disciples. Here's what I found after 33 years of ministry. I can't do it. I can't be like Jesus. Anybody else realize you can't be like Jesus? Okay, maybe you guys should be up here. Um, I can't do it. But I can tell you this. He can. And I'm learning more and more how to rely on his grace. Because he wants me to actually look like Jesus that's the hope of glory, that I can actually live on this earth, right? That's why he told us, on this earth, you pray that his kingdom come and his will is done on earth as it is in heaven. And that means it's done in you and through you and the Holy Spirit. All of this comes from the Lord. He does what you can't do. Man, if you're struggling with a character quality like me, if you're struggling to be like him, here's what we know. Quit trying to be better and start trusting God and go to the throne of grace because you have access to everything that God wants to do for you. And then it's not just hope for here, this glory, it's the hope of heaven. It also is you and I have the hope we're gonna be with him forever. Okay, come on, man, in the view of God's mercy. He has justified you. He has made peace with you. He has given you access to himself so he can pour grace on you every day. And he wants to give you his glory both now and forever. So in light of what God has done through Christ, mercy moves us to offer all our life to God. Chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you. This is so great because I don't even have to urge you. I want to urge you. I'll let scripture urge you. The scripture says, I urge you. Come on, man. That's the, what Nelson version says right there. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, in view of what we just went through, God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your only reasonable service of worship. Offer yourself, 
Jesus offered himself for you, for your salvation. So what do we say? Take me, take me, take me. It's, it's like a wedding, you guys. It's like a marriage. Like when I ask Susie, it's like, I want to give all of myself to you. Will you give all of yourself to me? I'm not going to give myself to anybody else, but will you? And she says, yes. She wants to give all of herself. That's what God is saying. I give all of myself so that I can be with you, so you can get access to me. Now, will you give me all of yourself? Now, all of that self means all of your messed upness, all of your sin, all of your fears, all of your selfishness, all of your doubts, all of your good stuff, all of your talents and your gifts and your passions, all your time, Offer yourself. And then he says, offer your bodies. Why does he say your bodies? Because this isn't an ethereal spiritual exercise where we come to church. No, it's your body. That means wherever you go tonight, offer yourself. Wherever you are and whatever you do, that's your body. So Monday morning when you go to work, offer yourself. God, here I am. I don't know why you want to be at this workplace, but I'm here, so you're here. So I offer me to you. Take my body. In other words, all of my life, my work life, my family life, my recreation, my money, my time is yours, God. Are you living that? Is it yours? And then are you a living sacrifice? Offer your body as a living sacrifice, a living dead person. <laughs> I thought, man, the Jewish audience must have been like, okay, I've seen a sacrifice. That's kind of freaky. Because a sacrifice was an animal, dead, put up on the altar, slashing. He's like, what? I'm supposed to be like that? Now, here's what we know. There were a, lot of di- there were a few different offerings, sacrifices in the Old Testament. There was the sin offering. Paul's obviously not talking about be a sin offering because he just went through 11 chapters saying this is how Jesus is your sin offering. (laughs) See, the Old Testament, they had to offer a, a sacrifice to have their sins forgiven, a sin offering. Jesus has already done that for you. You are good to go, man. You are clean and forgiven and God is in you. You are his child. Awesome. But after they did the sin offering, there was another offering called the burnt, the whole burnt offering. And what was different about this animal is many times the priests would actually eat. After they'd make the sacrifice, the priests would be able to eat some of this animal. Not this one, man. When this sacrifice went up, it was a free will offering. It was something that people gave to God to say, I want to show you I'm all in. It had to be an animal without blemish because it meant I'm giving you my best. I'm not giving you my leftovers. I'm not giving you if I have any time, if I have any time left for you, God. No, I'm giving you my best and I'm going to lay it up on the altar, and then that sucker got burnt to the crisp. Completely done. Why? Because it was a symbol of all of me. All of me. And now Paul says, hey, Jesus gave you all of himself. Offer your body, your life, in view of that, and give him all of you. Holy and pleasing Holy and pleasing. Amazing. Isn't it, you guys? Isn't this awesome? Did you know you can please God? Did anybody love your wife or love your husband? 
Oh, come on, man. One of the best things I love is I, if I can actually please Susie, that's the greatest thing in the world. You get to please the one who gave himself for you. That is so cool. And I just think that was the example when I saw Private Ryan again. All that guy wanted to know is that he had lived a life worthy of the sacrifice that was given to him. Do you feel that in your bones? Is that kind of what drives you? Man, all I want to do is live a life worthy. In fact, Paul says this in Colossians 1.10. He says, live that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work. You know what this is, you guys? You know how you please him? It's a complete reorientation of your life. So it's just like, again, marrying Susie. And when I make that choice, if you guys make a choice to marry someone, what you're saying is, I am not living to please any other woman ever. Ever. Guys, okay. That's a whole other topic. I can't go over there. All right. I don't live to please any other woman. And when you decide to get married, what you're saying is, and I don't live to please myself anymore. My devotion is to not please others or myself. And you guys, when, you get, when this happens, when God rescues you and saves you, and this becomes real to you, and you realize you're in his access of grace, and he's forgiven you and all this, you're like, you know what? I'm living, I'm living no longer to please anybody out there. Who gives a rip what they do for me? And I'm not living to please myself anymore. That's what Jesus sets us free from. Now my devotion, Christ died for all, 2 Corinthians 5 says, so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Ha, man, hallelujah. I want to say hallelujah. We're, we're, I am just, this is so great. Now I'm going to close with this. Paul ends and here's what he says. If you live like that, he goes, this is your reasonable service. Now, I read the NIV most of the time. If you read the NIV, it says, this is your spiritual act of worship. And as I was studying this this week, people who actually understand the Greek language were going, why in the world did they use the Greek word that means logic? That means rationale. That means something that's reasonable. And translate it spiritual. I've never, I've, see, 33 years of ministry, I'm like, wow. And then it gets explained and the word for worship here is your service. It is reasonable to serve God as a living sacrifice. Why? Number one, why in the world would I ever live my life as a living sacrifice for another being? It's only rational and logical to do that in view of his mercy. Does that make sense, you guys? So people look at us and go, like, again, when we moved out here to start the church, you guys left Michigan for this beauty? No, I mean, but, you, I mean, seriously, you guys would leave your jobs and your families and home? Why would you do that? Because he saved my life. <laughs> right? It's logical. It's reasonable. It's rational to go, of course I'd give him up. I'd give up anything for the one who gave up everything so that I wouldn't go to hell. See, it's rational. And then the only logic, listen to this, the only logical response to someone who has saved you by pure mercy, the only logical response is to offer your life back to them.
This is your reasonable act of worship if you actually take time to view the mercy of God who's done so much for you. Here's what Tim Keller said. My last thing before we respond. He says, in short, once you have a good view of God's mercy, anything less than a total, complete sacrifice of yourself to God is completely irrational. (laughs) If you give yourself partially or half-heartedly, you are simply not thinking. You are not looking at what Jesus did. If what he did does not move you or break the ice over your soul, you must ask yourself if you have ever actually even understood the gospel. The only reasonable response to God who gave everything to you is God, I give everything to you. And so how are we going to respond tonight? Two things. The first one is for any of you in this room who have still not received the mercy of God, if you have never let God actually justify you, if you still are planning on standing before him one day and going, hey God, I think I'm good enough. If you're relying on your righteousness and you haven't let him make you right, then you today, I'm just gonna say, I urge you, (laughs) receive the mercy of God. Receive the mercy of God. Put your faith in what Jesus Christ did for you instead of faith in your own righteousness. If you're not at peace with God tonight, if you're not, if you feel feel still the shaking thing because you don't know if you're good with God, you can have peace with God. You can absolutely know that you are. And it's because not because you're going to do anything. It's because you're going to receive what Christ did for you, and he's going to be at peace with you. And if you live every day without grace, if you're living trying so hard, and you haven't gained access into the very presence of a living God who will pour his grace inside your heart. And if you don't have the hope of glory, if you don't know for sure where you're going when you're done, can I just ask you tonight, I'm gonna ask you tonight, if you need what Jesus Christ is called eternal life, if you need to be saved, that's the other word. In other words, buddy, what he's really saying, if you need mercy, if you need God to do for you what only he can do. I'm gonna give you a chance to receive that tonight. I'm telling you, it's what every human was created for. And then secondly, for us, for almost all of us in here, who are his bride, you're his bride. Is he getting all of you? Is he, he, are you absolutely devoted to Jesus? And there's no competition. There's no adultery going on. There's no giving of your heart to something more. Money isn't doing it. Job isn't doing it. Family isn't doing it. Recreation isn't doing it. Nothing's doing it because Jesus is your all in all. Are you living a life as a sacrifice unto God, holy and pleasing to him? This is your only reasonable act of worship. And so as the the band leads us today, 
we have this beautiful space down here. And I'm going to tell you, I grew up Methodist, man. They, they, they asked us to do this all the time. I think I made a, like a, a, a run down the carpet just from my own desire. But I want to tell you, if you tonight have had a fresh view of the mercy of God, and you know right now you haven't been a living sacrifice. You're not holy and pleasing to God right now. Isn't it cool that you just, where do you go? Into the access of grace. You receive his forgiveness and you turn back to him and you get this union going again so you can be for his glory, so we can change this world, this valley, so we can be a church, man, that's on fire because we have the view of Jesus. So I'm gonna ask you while the band is doing this amazing song, I surrender. If you need to surrender, if you need to just do some business with him while we're singing, I just wanna encourage you, come down here. Make it just a great posture like you did because you honor him and just give him your life one more time. Just say, God, I'm sorry, take all of me. Take me, I offer myself to you. And if there's a specific thing that you know you need to let go of tonight, let go of it. Confess it to him. Say, God, I agree, I agree. This has been way too important. It's taken precedence over you. And what's this thing doing for me based on what, compared to what you did for me? Come on, man. In view of God's mercy, offer yourself tonight to Jesus as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to him. And if you've never received Jesus and you're like, man, I want this. I'll be right over here. My wife will be right over here. And while we're singing, you just come on over. We would love to pray with you and help you to know how you can put your faith in Jesus Christ and receive God and get the forgiveness and get into his access. All right? Okay, man. Come on, let's stand and let's worship. Let's worship. You come down here if you need to have that business with God.